Welcome to the Dear Rochester Retire Well Podcast with David Pulsini from Six Point Financial Partners. In this podcast, find your path towards a brighter financial future with David as your guide as he helps individuals, educators, and healthcare professionals explore ways they can build wealth while minimizing risk using a multifaceted, comprehensive approach to personal finance. Are you ready to take the first step towards a brighter financial tomorrow? Let's get started. So folks, welcome back to the podcast today. We have a special guest with us. We have all seen the commercials, the billboards. We have heard the radio advertisements for personal injury attorneys, and you all know what I'm talking about. So I personally have always been curious about how those attorneys that specialize in this line of work do their job, how they get paid, what they actually do. And then, because I can't help myself as an advisor, what kind of money are these folks really getting, right? And then where does it go? That's, that's where advisors can step in and help. So today we have Christina Goldberg on with us. She's the partner in her own firm, and she is one busy person. So Christina, thank you for making time today. How are you? Good morning. I'm well. How are you doing, David? I'm great. So how? just a quick little part about you. What, what's your background in this? How did you get into practicing law in the first place? Gosh, I was young. So I became obsessed with the OJ Simpson trial when I was in, gosh, I was probably in middle school at that point and never looked back. I just decided being in a courtroom was something I wanted to do. And that was that. And from that point, I had a plan, undergrad, law school, let's do it. You thought of that in middle school? I did. I became yeah. probably, I should probably be concerned about how, how obsessed I became with Marsha Clark and how, how that whole trial was going. Interesting. The, what I remember about that is my grandmother just watching CNN for however long the trial was all day long and then telling everybody about it. I guess there was nothing else happening besides OJ Simpson. So I know it was playing in school. So there were certain classrooms that had it on kind of all, all day long. And I would pop in as frequently as I could just to sort of see what was going on. Really? So you might be the first person we've had on the podcast. We've had a number of guests that actually knew what you wanted to do. Most people just have fallen into it or they discovered it in some roundabout way. Good for you. Good for uh, you. Well, good for me. Well, we'll see. If 10 years, if I'm still going strong, then good for me. Yeah, that's right. So what's now today, I mean, this isn't an OJ Simpson trial that you're living. Like, what's your favorite part of doing what you do? Oh my gosh, there's something different every day. So I'm not doing transactional law. I'm not doing home closings. I'm not doing contract reviews. I'm doing, I'm doing big stuff. I'm doing sad stuff, wrongful deaths and catastrophic injuries and all sorts of digging into liability and figuring out how I can help people who just really have been desperately injured and their lives changed just because of somebody else's negligence. So it's just, it's always something new. So, okay. That's, I love that there's always something new. It's not the same thing every day. It takes away the monotony of a normal job. How much can you take out of your current investments and never run out of money? When is the absolute best time to take Social Security? Are you 100% confident in your investment strategy? Are you paying too much in taxes? Why? If something were to happen to you today, what would they find? If you are doubting any of this and would like a second opinion or to review these items, along with many more, feel free to reach out to us. You can visit us at www.sixpointsfp.com or email us at info at sixpointfp.com. Back to the show. 
if somebody asks you to describe what you do, I mean, you just said it's different. What are the constants? Like, what do you actually do every day that would be a constant thing? Well, like anything else, you know, there's, there are going to be certain procedures that you have to follow for every, every claim. So there's the administrative aspect of that, but you know, everybody has, has staff, what we do in, in our office though, is, is my law partner and I are very focused on, on the client experience and making sure that we're always available to our clients just for, for anything, emails, phone calls, um, whatever questions that they have, it's always us, not just the staff, but you know, it depends on the day. I mean, I could have a day full of, sorry, I could have a day full of court. I could have a day full of depositions or just a day full of, Hey, I've got to figure out who's responsible for the fact that somebody, you know, injured themselves on a sidewalk. You just, you never know day to day. Yeah. So how, okay. How do you get clients? How do they know how to reach out to you? And then what do you walk them through? And they- so we have a, we lay our advertising. So okay. we started, you know, we've, we've grown the firm in its current form has been in existence for about six years. We've both been practicing for a really long time before that, but we are on television, uh, radio, Google, you know, we've got the organic, the website. We've also got Google ads as much online advertising as we can possibly do. We're in even just low places, you know, movie theaters with ads or restaurants and bars. We're just sort of, we're everywhere. <laughs> Everywhere you are, we try to be and just kind of layer it. We have billboards now. So just anything we can find to add to it. Yeah. So you guys, I mean, it sounds like you always have to be what top of mind, right? So that person that injured themselves. Yeah. So the person that injured themselves on the sidewalk, like how, what if I injured myself five years ago on the sidewalk or two years, like how far back can they go? If if you weren't top of mind and then I see this thing a year later or five years, how does that work? Well, if we're not top of mind, that's a, that's a problem in the first place because there are an awful lot of firms who are. And that's the entire reason is if they don't call us, they're going to call somebody else. But there are statutes of limitation in Florida and in every state in the, in the nation, they're going to be different. But for instance, in Florida, a, a general negligence statute of limitation is four years. So if you're injured, for instance, if you're rear-ended or if you slip and fall or if you trip and fall on a sidewalk, you have four years to make a claim for injuries against the at fault party. You know, there's a five-year statute of limitations for a breach of contract claim. So for instance, if you have to sue your own insurance company, that's a five-year statute. So there are many, many of those and they vary by state. Interesting. So, okay. I'm, now you brought up the sidewalk thing. So now I have to just, I have to run with it. I fall on a sidewalk. I break my leg. I hurt my elbow. I can't go to work. What, what do you guys actually do? Like, what does the process look like? Well, this is going to be a sidewalk claim is going to be a lot more, I say difficult because the likelihood is it's going to involve a county claim. Um, and you're going to be dealing with finding the ordinance that allows you to make a private cause of action, you know, various, various different issues. Did the homeowners association undertake the obligation to make sure that these sidewalks were cleaned or, or maintained or repaired? Does the homeowner have any responsibility? And that's all going to depend on what the ordinances say, the laws say, the county that it happened and all of that. Okay. So it, it's, that's going to be handled in, in kind of a different way. I mean, you start out, you got to put everybody on notice. You sort of throw everything against a wall and see what sticks. And the same thing would happen in a car crash. You, you get rear-ended or you get T-boned. Really, the, the first step is always going to be, okay, we have to figure out where liability is going to stick and where there's coverage. We, we have to find the pockets, right? We're all yeah. looking for the money. Yeah. Well, you need it, right? If somebody can't go to work or can't perform Absolutely. their perform what they were doing before. So- yeah. Someone gets in a car accident. We'll use the T-bone example. How do, and this is just me being curious. So they go into the hospital. When, when do they get a hold of somebody like you? 
like the first thing, thing shouldn't be like, I mean, if they're seriously injured, maybe, maybe it is for some folks, but like, oh, I need to call an injury attorney right now. Like, I wouldn't do that. Like, so what do you do? It's not. And it's, it's funny because there are, listen, there are always going to be different people. There are going to be some people who have in the past, they've made multiple claims just over and over again. Hey, I know how this works. I'm going to call an attorney. Those are really not the clients that, that we are seeking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, there is a place for those. But typically, I mean, if we've got a really catastrophic injury, of course, this person's in the hospital and they're, they may not even be awake for a few days. Uh, they can reach out to us certainly at any time. Usually what happens is we'll have a family member reach out to us and say, hey, I need information. Tell me what to do. And when this person wakes up, tell me how to deal with this. And we offer as much as we possibly can. We can never reach out to the injured person. We can never, we can never actually reach out to the claimant. That would be solicitation, okay. which is really interesting because it happens a lot happens an awful lot. Attorneys cannot do that. And yet they do, they find a way. Yeah. But we can be, you know, sometimes it's a, it's a personal referral. It's a, you know, Hey, I had a family member that you represented, or I had a friend who said, you've got to call these, these women, this is the firm you need to call. And that's, we, of course we appreciate those, but then call us at any time. Usually it's not, not from the scene of a crash. That's, that's not our game. Right. Right. Well, then we just need to make friends with the doctors and nurses that are taking care of those folks. It sounds like so. Exactly. Sorry, I'm always trying to think exactly. of a loophole, right? So, exactly. I mean, if you're looking for a way to direct market to people, you're looking for a doctor or a nurse who's going to say, "Hey, go see, you know, go see this attorney." On the other hand, that can feel awfully slimy. Yeah. Um, so you got to be careful. Yeah. Well, yeah, you don't want to be one of those attorneys, and I know you're not. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. the so. All that kind of stuff. So we, I see commercials and I know a lot of people see this that are like, we don't charge until we win. We have no fee. Mm-hmm. Let's say I went through and maybe they know this ahead of time. That's why I wanted to ask you. Like I spend hours and hours and hours with, I, I get T-boned. You spend hours and hours and a lot of work and then we win no money or we're not awarded anything. Like, is, is that real? Like, what do you mean yeah. we don't get paid? Okay. Yeah, that can be real. <laughs> Yeah. So it's a risk for, for the attorney. And in Florida, accident attorneys, wrongful death attorneys, we're, we work on contingency. And in most other states in the nation, it's going to be the same way. When I'm speaking right now, though, it's obviously with regard to Florida, the commercials that you see in the radio ads that you hear as though it is something new and fresh and it's only them doing it. No contingency fee attorney ever collects any money from the client unless they, they collect on the claim. And that's it. That includes costs. That includes fees. And so as an attorney, that's our risk, right? I mean, if we don't do a good enough job or if the law simply isn't on our side, it is the risk that we take associated with, with trying to handle the claim. But yeah, it's, you know, it, it works in the, in the client's favor. And one of the things that I always try to point out is, listen, yes, I get paid based on what I get you, which means I have a really good reason to do a fantastic job for you. Because the more I get you, the more I get. Yeah. Um, and once you sort of point that out to people, they go, okay, I get it. <laughs> I understand. Because the, you know, the percentage initially is can sound pretty high. I mean, it's a third, really, right. of, of what the client gets. But it's worth it when you realize the, the risk that's being undertaken. But yeah, if you take it all the way to a jury trial and you get a zero, big, big zero verdict, that's it. You're out tens of thousands of dollars in costs and all of those hundreds of hours of, of fees. Does, does that happen a lot? Z- no, zeros? no, honestly, it's not going to okay. happen a lot. So an attorney worth his or her salt yeah. <laughs> is going to understand that taking a, a 
such a risky case like that to trial is probably not in the client's best interest. And, and so you're going to do what you can to, to take care of the case, to resolve the case under alternative means, you know, alternate dispute resolution. And really in Florida, specifically Florida, the number of civil jury trials that actually take place are 0.4% of all cases that are filed. So you're settling cases at, at a vast rate. I mean, the, the number of cases that actually end up going to a jury trial is minimal. So who, if you're not going to jury trial, because that's just what the, a normal person thinks of, or is some type of mediation in between? So mediation is required, again, in Florida. Okay. Yeah. Um, before you can even get a trial date, you're required to mediate the case. Sometimes, depending on the contracts involved, there could also be arbitration, which could be binding or non-binding. But yes, you always have to mediate. And at any point during a claim, I mean, you always have an opportunity to attempt to negotiate on that particular claim anyway. Interesting. So the whole don't charge until we win is really just table stakes, but we can make it sound like it's a differentiator. <laughs> That's exactly, exactly right. Yeah. It'd be yeah. like a financial advisor that says, yeah, I'll, re- I'll call you once a year. We re- reach out to all of our clients once a year. Well, you better, right? Yeah, I hope so. <laughs> I mean, it's a, a bare yeah. minimum. I'm, yeah. So, okay. We, we talked about some of that. What if, I want to give you a random case here. This is completely I'm just taking this out of left field. So I make, for example, $100,000. I am the sole provider of income for my family. I get T-boned in a car accident. When you see these commercials, and I know people are thinking this, I was awarded $17 million and I was awarded $6 million. I would like, are, are these things real? Like, does that, <laughs> and, and how much would somebody in that case, like, I, that, that's my situation, whatever. I have $10,000 in the bank and I've got a retirement account. I'm the sole mm-hmm. income earner. Like, what, what is there to go after in that case? Right. So I, I feel like I have to make the whole attorney yeah, disclaimer, ahead. right? Yeah, I can't. I can't uh, <laughs> um, I'm not talking about the work that anybody else does. Yes, it's real, but no, it's not real. And so what you have to what you have to think about is if you're you, first of all, hopefully you're working with David Pulsini and you have short-term and long-term disability policies in place. But anyway, just because you were injured in an in an accident, I actually refer to them as crash. I don't I don't like calling okay. them accidents because to me, no. But just because you're, you're injured in a crash does not mean that there is money to be collected. And so, a lot of times, what you end up seeing is there are unscrupulous attorneys who will immediately put files into litigation, immediately file a lawsuit. Well, that immediately bumps up their own fees, so their take is going to be higher without any effort on the front end. So they immediately file a lawsuit to get a a higher fee structure for themselves when there's only, say, a $50,000 liability policy. So you can take a case as far as you want. You can go all the way to a jury trial with a $50,000 liability policy. You can even get a $16 million verdict. But guess what's going to happen post-verdict? The judge is going to reduce the judgment to fit within the bounds of the available liability coverage, unless you can show that the insurance company acted in bad faith. And that's a whole other can of worms. Right. So all of these, I got this huge verdict and I got this. That's great. You, you may have, but you didn't get paid on it and you're not going to get paid on it. And that's, it's so interesting to me because the Florida bar is so specific about the the advertising that we're allowed to engage in. I mean, down to 
we've got to have the bona fide office location on every single advertisement. I mean, the things that we can say, we can have ice in our cups in a commercial, but we can't have, you can't have certain books in the background. I mean, they're so specific about it. And yet they're allowing these attorneys to come out and say, well, we got this $17 million verdict for this client without actually saying, yeah, but our client recovered none of it. Right. Or, or so 50,000, right? Super, yeah. Yeah. It's super tricky to understand, but really you got to know what is the insurance coverage. And if, there's no insurance coverage. The likelihood is that the person who's actually at fault has no assets to protect. Otherwise, they would have carried insurance. So the question that I, I think I would ask if this happened to me, God forbid, is if I were interviewing attorneys, it's like this one takes a third and they have a great process. Like, like what, what, I guess it's a fair question. Like, what, what do I get out of this if this were to happen? And yeah. That's a, it's a really fair question. So, I mean, when I have people come to me initially, we don't, unless they have some magical information and somebody has been willing to offer them information over the phone, nobody has any idea what kind of insurance coverage is out there. So the first thing that we have to do is send a letter to the at-fault insurance company and say, hey, send us your disclosure. Florida law gives them 30 days to do that. So from the time I send them that letter, I have to wait another 30 yeah. days just to find out, is there even coverage because Florida doesn't require liability coverage. Whole other issue. It's one of a couple states in the nation that we actually don't require it. So, and we can go into, into that more, more later. But that's the first thing. And it takes us a good month just to find out that information. So once we find out that information, it's a careful game because if there's not enough insurance coverage on, on either side, anywhere to be found, that is going to be able to really cover the medical treatment that this client needs. You know, we, our practice, we've been known to actually say to the client, Hey, we're going to, we're going to try to help you silently. We're going to back out. We're not taking a fee on money that should be yours automatically. And they just haven't mailed you the check yet. And if there's a little bit more coverage, then we we stay put and say, okay, let us help you build the value of this to make sure that we can get this. Because look, if you're hit by a semi, you're looking at easily a million dollar plus policy, maybe some umbrellas. But if you're hit by a by a Kia or a, a 30 year old Toyota, I, yeah, you know, you never the know. Likelihood is there's not going to be a lot there. So back to my my, I make the hundred thousand. Like that's irrelevant. It's really. Mm based on the injury, I guess, right? Which we could talk about, but also it's way more based on the other person's insurance. It is. Yeah, it really is. And that's where it's, that's one of the hardest parts of our job is looking at somebody who really is desperately injured and saying, I am, I am so sorry. There's nothing we can do for you. And I mean, we go down rabbit holes. You know, you look at the driver of the vehicle that hit you. You look at the owner of the vehicle. If it's different from the driver, you look at resident relatives in a household. You look at was the driver engaged in some in the course and scope of business or some errand for somebody else? Was he being paid to do something? I mean, we go down every rabbit hole we can find only to find out, hey, there's there's nothing or there's so little that it doesn't make sense for us to be involved. And we're just going to tell you how to go deal with this yourself. Wow, that, that's yeah. scary. It's terrifying, which is yeah. all the more important that people, you've got to make sure that you understand what your insurance agent is selling you. And this is a huge part of financial planning that people really yeah. don't think about as being financial planning, but it is. Totally is. Each year, we, I think we drive our local PNC, or at least the, we'll call it property and casualty. That's the homeowner's umbrella, auto insurance folks. I'll ask them every single year for our clients, hey, is there anything new that's going on? And can you send us a copy of the policy? 
because we can yes. take a look and see. And a lot of our clients are in New York, as you know, and they have to have that other coverage. But oh. even then, it's still not it's still not enough. So if I, I go out, I'm injured, I can't go back to work. And let's just say I don't have disability because I can tell you from experience, most people do not have short long-term disability insurance. We know that. So I'm out, 100000 I was a sole income earner. The other person has $75,000 of life insurance, or I'm sorry, auto insurance coverage that could pay me. That's the most I could get if all other rabbit holes are taken care of. You got it. That's, That's scary, exactly yeah. right. Wow. Yeah. yeah. And so this is really a sort of a protect yourself scenario. There's uninsured or underinsured motorist coverage that you want to make sure anybody who is listening, any of your clients, everybody needs to pull their auto policies and make sure that you've got this fits in a UM or UIM on your policy. And what that means is if you are you are hit or injured by someone who does not carry liability coverage or who does not carry enough liability coverage to fully compensate you, you get to turn back to your own insurance policy. And that's where they come in. Now, it's not a, okay, insurance company, hand me this money. Now I paid for it. That's not how that works. You actually have to prove the same thing to your own insurance company that you would to the at fault. But at least that coverage is is there. And as much as you can carry, you need to carry. A quick interruption. Six Point Financial Partners is taking on new clients. If you would like to take the next step in planning your future with Dave or the Six Point team, please visit them at www.sixpointfp.com to schedule a time or reach out via LinkedIn, Facebook, or simply find us on the internet by searching Six Point Financial Partners. Okay, back to the show. So the, the typical person would say, well, how much does that cost? And it's so what's funny in, again, in Florida, yeah, which is yeah, what I can yeah. talk about in Florida, you cannot carry UM if you do not first carry bodily injury coverage. So what the legislature has said is, well, that's cool. We want you to, to protect yourself, but we're not going to let you protect yourself unless you protect other people first. So in Florida, you cannot carry higher UM limits than you carry bodily injury limits. So the cost of the UM limits is actually more tied to the cost of the the BI limits, right? So if you want to protect yourself by carrying a million dollars in UM, you also have to carry you a million dollars in bodily injury coverage. And that's where the price is. But once you carry that bodily injury coverage of a million, tacking on the UM for a million is uh, truly negligible. It it really is not that much more money because you're already paying for the liability. Well, and then at that point you need it. So I'm thinking of a lot of our clients or folks that are listening that have they're making two, three, five hundred thousand, a million, two million dollars a year running a business or something. And maybe they're single or their spouse doesn't work and this stuff happens. It's like, how how high can you go? Could I go get I'm making this up, I'm hyperbolous, like fifty million dollars of insurance coverage on this if I needed it? Not underlying, but you can get an umbrella. Right. Yeah. I've yeah. dealt with yeah. massive um, umbrellas. Yeah. Yeah, we do a lot of, well, we recommend umbrella umbrella policies to a lot of our clients because it makes sense. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. And then again, right, they have to have the other stuff in place for the umbrella coverage to even be in existence. Exactly. And there's usually got to be some very, very large minimum underlying coverage in order to have an umbrella in place. But again you know, you're looking at if you, if you make that much money, I mean, if you have that, that many assets to protect, you want to carry high bodily injury coverage anyway, because that protects you from a lawsuit. Hey, listen, I am telling you, you know, this people don't do it. They, I don't, know. they don't review this stuff. So I know. 
It's making me want to go check with everybody right now, by the way. Like, I know. every. It's so funny. Every time I talk about this stuff, everybody I talk to is like, okay, pulling my auto policy. Yeah. yeah. But it's it's really true. It, well, the scary part to me is like, I, I leave my office today. I get hit by an irresponsible person who has none of this. And I might have the bare minimum. And by the way, folks, because the insurance person knows that they may be in a competitive situation, they're just saying, our policy is $80 a month. And the policy okay. across the street is 300 well, That's which one exactly do most right. people pick? They'll pick the 80 because they didn't actually look at the differences. That's exactly right. And you have to keep in mind, this they won't tell you, is that your insurance agents are actually bonused at, by the lack of claims they have come through on policies they've sold. So oh. the more coverage they sell you, meaning if they sell you UM coverage, which is optional, the, the higher the likelihood that there's going to be a claim, meaning the higher the likelihood that their bonus is going to be less. So this isn't an accident that, no. that a lot of people don't know about the UM coverage. And a lot of times the statute says you actually have to sign a piece of paper saying, I, I refuse UM coverage. Nine times out of 10, when I talk to my clients and say, hey, you rejected UM, they go, no, I didn't. Yep, you did. Remember when you got those e-sign documents and you just oh, clicked yeah. through and you sign, sign, sign. That was you rejecting coverage that would have protected you. And they have no idea they've done it. No. And very, very few. I can't say nobody. Very few people are going to read all of that stuff when they're signing. Really, yeah. a lot of e-documents, which is for a different day. But yeah, so the irresponsible person, really, that, that makes me nervous. And I'm going to have to go check with everybody. Um, I, it, and look, look at my own. Yeah. 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 So what are some, I have a couple more questions. I'm gonna let you go again. I know sure. you're busy. The, what are, what's like the most common mistake? I mean, th- that's a huge mistake. Like let's just review everybody's insurance policies first, mm-hmm. but what's another mistake that you see people typically making in this whole process? My clients, your clients are, yeah. Somebody gets in a crash. See, mm-hmm. I've already changed my language. Thanks. There you me. go. They get into a crash. Something happens. They, they call you guys like, and the biggest mistake you're seeing or the most common thing or something they could have done differently. Maybe. Yeah. Waiting, honestly. So by the time, a lot of times what I get actually, again, nine times out of 10, probably what I get when I sit down with somebody in my office, it's been two or three weeks since the crash and they sit down in my office and they look at me and they go, I'm, I'm not this kind of person, which is great because then I look at me and I'm like, well, what am I? Thank you. But you know, I'm not this kind of person. and, And it, somehow there's just this, and I understand I'm a personal injury attorney, right? So I'm at, I'm at the bottom of the barrel, the least respected of all attorneys. This is sort of what, what ends up happening. You hate us until you need us. And then you realize, oh my gosh, there's a reason that these people exist. And so they'll come into my office and say, I'm just not this kind of person. And you know, they will have waited two or three weeks. Well, by the time you're two or three weeks past a crash, especially if you're sitting at home thinking, I'm not that hurt. I can, it's okay. It'll go away. I'll just use my massage gun and I'll, I'll Mm -hmm. fix it myself. Two weeks after a crash, you've given up your access to at minimum $10,000 in, in medical treatment expenses that you could have had that you've now walked away from. You know, you've probably had multiple conversations with insurance companies. You've probably signed blanket HIPAA authorizations by that point to your insurance company, letting them get every medical record that was ever created by any provider ever for you, (laughs) which is just mind blowing. But my insurance company told me to sign it. So I did. Oh my gosh. Your insurance company is not your friend. Your insurance company is never going to be your friend. And so 
it's probably that sort of not really deciding, hey, I'm worth advocating for from the get go. And if people do come in early, you know, the day after a crash or two days after a crash, I always tell them, listen, if two weeks from now you feel great and you're done and you're ready to go and you don't want to pursue this, I am going to shake your hand and smile and be happy for you and say, thank God. And we're going to close your file and move on. But in the meantime, you can bet that the insurance carrier is doing everything they can to defend this claim. So you really should be too. And it doesn't make you any kind of person for making sure that you're protecting yourself and your family. I totally, I would totally be one of those people. Yeah. And I, if it, no, one, no one can see me right now, but I'd like to face of shock. The, uh, cause this stuff, there, there's always more to it, right? All the way down to the actual insurance policy and the agent not telling you because they get a bonus. And I'm assuming the bonus they get is much more than the commission they would have made by selling you an extra $3 a month on a policy. So I would have to crazy. assume. Yeah. Com- yeah, I know you can't say it. These conflicts of interest drive me crazy. Um, I know. I know. Interesting. So I know for a fact, because I've worked with you guys and I've seen you around, we've had Neil on our podcast a couple of times by the time this is released, yep. uh, that your firm, when you say bottom of the barrel, that, isn't it like when you were watching the OJ Simpson thing in middle school, you wouldn't think you'd be the bottom of the barrel type of attorney. And I know you, you, your whole firm is not. Otherwise, we wouldn't want to talk. Oh, to you know that stuff. feeling? I mean, yeah. our firm is fantastic. But you know that feeling when somebody says, hey, what do you do for a living? Yep. And you're either really proud to tell them or you go, well, how much can I not tell them? Totally. You know? Are you, um, you're asking me, like, in all seriousness, again, the listeners will laugh at this because they've heard me say it before. When I was a new financial advisor, like we're the same, we're in the same boat. I sell, I do life. You want life insurance? Like you're, yeah. That's like the injury attorney of financial planning, right? Exactly. Uh, but you need life insurance. So what do you, what do, you do? Right. right? So, but um, when you need me, oh my gosh, are you glad you have me? And somebody's totally. got to do this job. And I just want to be in a court. Just put me in a courtroom. I, so I, I get it. And, and 95% of people out there will agree when they say life insurance, they hear injury attorney. I to answer yeah. your question. I know the feeling, um, yeah. but when you get to the point where you're at or your firm is at, it's like, listen, if we can help you great, if we cannot, we'll help you move on. No doubt about it, which is why I love talking to you guys about this stuff. So I'll end it there. How can our listeners, if they want to get a hold of you or find uh, you any social media, not at a movie theater or on a billboard. So we are, yeah, we're, we're, we're pretty big in the Tampa Bay area. We're getting bigger. We are lawpoweredbywomen.com. My law partner, uh, Julie and I are, we are the only female owned injury law firm in, in the area. And we've decided to take advantage of that. So that's where you can find us online. We're actually in the, in the midst of redoing our website. It's going to be all beautiful and sparkly and fresh and brand new by the <laughs> end of the year. But in the meantime, we're there. You can see our lovely faces and you can find Neil, who is our elder law associate also. Mm-hmm. And Neil is such a trooper for putting up with our law powered by women theme and he just owns it and is phenomenal. And we absolutely love having him here, but he's the perfect guy for that. So he is, he's amazing. All right. We appreciate your time and folks for the listeners out there. If you need to reach out, let us know. Our, our website is www.6pointfp.com. You can find me, David Pulsini on LinkedIn, but for now, make it a great day. Thank you for listening to the Dear Rochester Retire Well podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Six Point Financial Partners. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. 
The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. Content here is for illustrative and educational purposes only. It is not legal, tax, or individualized financial advice, nor is it a recommendation to buy, sell, or hold any specific security or engage in any specific trading strategy. Results will vary. Past performance is no indication of future results or success. Market conditions change continuously. This commentary reflects the personal opinions, viewpoints, and analysis of Six Point Financial Partners. It does not necessarily represent those of RFG Advisory, Private Client Services, their clients, or their employees. This commentary should not be regarded as a description of advisory services provided by Six Point Financial Partners or RFG Advisory or performance returns of any client. The views reflected in the commentary are subject to change at any time without notice. Securities offered by registered representatives of private client services, member FINRA SIPC. Advisory services offered by investment advisory representatives of RFG Advisory, a registered investment advisor. Private client services, Six Point Financial Partners, and RFG Advisory are unaffiliated entities. Advisory services are only offered to clients or prospective clients where RFG Advisory and its representatives are properly licensed or exempt from licensure. No advisory services may be rendered by RFG Advisory unless a client agreement is in place.